ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. All right, welcome to episode, I think we're up to 18 of Clicking Balls. And I'm Brenton, we've got Josh here as well. Yep. And um, this week we're going to be doing Formula One. We're going to do a bit different format uh, this week. Because uh, Formula One was on a early Monday morning, uh, I'm guessing most people would have recorded it and probably watch it tonight or tomorrow night. So we're going to um, not commentate along, but we're going to give our insights to the Grand Prix as it happens. So if you've recorded the Grand Prix or you've managed to get your hands on a copy Somewhere on the line? In a legal and moral fashion, because uh, Uncle Rupert doesn't like it when you take any of his billions and billions of dollars. No, but the good thing is about um, Bernie not giving a fuck about computers, is that you don't hear any of this anti-piracy banter from him, because he's got no idea what's going on online. Oh, they jump on YouTube, but that's not... Yeah, but Bernie's come out and said that he doesn't understand where the marketability or profit is to be made from the internet, so I mean... Yeah, he's on his way out. But anyway, we digress. I'm pretty sure he spent some time on sugardaddies.com. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get we'll get some Bernie bashing happening through this Grand Prix, no doubt. Um, we're going to start our, our coverage from the formation lap. So when they show the big fat Rolex clock ticking over to 6 p.m., uh, they'll commence the, um, the parade, uh, not parade lap, they'll commence the formation lap, and um, we're going to take it from there. So get your... Get your vision all sorted out, get it hooked up and synced in, um, have it on where the clock is and it's just ticked over. Even if you've already seen the race, it's actually a pretty good one. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's not too bad to watch it again, especially if you know what's going to happen. Yeah, and plus we've done a bit of research, so a bit on the technical side I've been looking at, so we'll be able to explain a few things as they happen. So, all right, so um, hopefully you've got all your stuff sorted out by now, and um, we'll give you a countdown and then we'll be underway in five, four, three. Two, one, go. You can probably hear the commentary in the background from Sky Sports. So just try and sync him up. Um, if you can't, well, you know the pause button is. And already, Massa, uh, he's stuck on the grid. He's just chilling. Yeah, he had a systems error and he's start up. So it wasn't terminal, but in order for him to start the race, he has to be able to get into the pits and be ready to go before the other cars get back around. Yeah, and every IT guy listening to this is probably saying, have you tried turn it, turning it off and back on again? Uh, he couldn't. I, I think he's got a blow in the starter hole. <laughs> but um, Massa, it's unfortunate for him because he qualified very well. And the Williams was looking all right on this track, so a bit disappointing to start the race that way. I know everyone talks about um, 
Mark Webber being one of the unluckiest blokes in F1, but surely Mass has got to take the cake by now. Oh, yeah. I mean... He was one corner away from a world championship, and Timo Glock nicked that from him by giving it up to Lewis Hamilton. And, I mean, if he hasn't punched him in the face yet, then it's probably because they've never met. <laughs> and, you know, Massa cops that um, bit of suspension in the head, which puts him out for a long time. He was a world champion driver. Yeah, and it wasn't just um, the fact that it put him out for a while. It really dented his confidence coming back, and you could see it. Yeah, you know, it takes a lot to get back from something like that. Most people never do. He's a midfielder now. I, I, I don't think anyone can dispute that. Bottas has been spanking him, but um, it hasn't been spanking him too bad. It's been a little bit evened up. Well, the big thing is though, Bottas is a top quality driver. Yeah, he is. Like, you know, as we see through this race, especially, but his ability is about five years beyond what you'd expect from him. Yeah. And I mean, the Scandinavians have always had that natural talent for flinging a car in a track. <laughs> Seems to be the, the grown-up sports. We play AFL and soccer and they go drive around in the snow. Yeah. And there's the penalty for Carlos Sainz. That was a weird one. Um, yeah, exceeding maximum one. time for reconnaissance lap. Yeah. Um, I've never seen that penalty enforced before. No. Um, I mean, I, I, I guess it makes some sort of sense, but... You know, considering everyone's not really in any hurry and <clears throat> when they get to the, the starting grid before the formation lap, they all just sit there for the same amount of time anyway. So I, I really don't see why they'd have that enforced so heavily. Yeah, I mean, like uh, Crofty said on the broadcast, it was only came in after I think Michael ran up the arse of someone who was going particularly slow on a reconnaissance lap and put himself out. But, I mean, surely you can see where it is on the track, and that's where you've got a team for. They're telling you someone's in front, and they're going really slow. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I would have thought it would be one of those warning things. But, um, you know, I'm not in charge of Formula 1. I'm not Charlie Whiting. No. I think we had, uh, what was it, Mikasalo is the uh, driver steward for this one, I think. can't remember who they said it was, but something like that. you notice the spare spot where um, Master is supposed to be. And a couple of other ones for Button. Yep. And oh, button. button was at, at the arse end. But um, Pastor no. Maldonado not lining up in the right box. Yeah, and Button's um, just sitting back watching the race. Yeah, Button was unlucky not to start. He, um, they, they had his car all back together, worked hard to put it back on the grid, and a little error, a little gremlin in the system came up just as they were firing it up, and they didn't have time to check it, and they weren't comfortable putting him on the on the grid without being able to check all that stuff. I mean, it's, it's You never want to see a driver not start. Yeah. It doesn't matter what team it's in, but uh, especially when McLaren are trying to get track time just to get data. Yeah. All right, there we are, underway. Go, go, go. You see the Sauber's get off the line pretty quick too. Yeah, and for once, uh, Ricardo hasn't gone backwards, which is fantastic. And I mean, since everyone else has already done it, we've got to mention the sparks on the, the night sky of Bahrain. Uh, the, the titanium um, the skid plates. Skid plates yeah. I actually quite like the sparks. I think it looks pretty cool. It's awesome. And the thing is, I know every reason about why it's childish and un- irrelevant and unimportant, but I just love it. It looks awesome. This is one of the most challenging starting few corners in F1. And they do so well not to have crashes. Well, most of them anyway. Well, yeah. There's a... From memory, there was only a couple of people that got a little bit of a tap. Yeah. But um, considering, you know, the amount of competitiveness and uh, speed and how little room you've actually got, they do very, very well. 
And especially in Bahrain, being in the middle of a desert, you get a lot of uh, transference of the sand across the track, especially when it's not used um, all year round. Yeah, and there's also unpredictable winds, which uh, can affect the downforce as well. So, you know, you really can't even comprehend how these guys can do what they do at the speeds they do it at. Yeah. I mean, you've got that little element of batshit crazy about you. Oh, shit, yeah. I mean, yeah, these days, you know, a driver injury is rare enough uh, compared to, say, the 60s, where that you're about a 10% chance to die every time you got in the car. But uh, it still takes a shit ton of courage to drive at these crazy-ass speeds in what's pretty much just a souped-up go-kart. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've just seen Pasta take his first tour of off-track limits. Uh, you can expect a few more of them coming up, as is pretty much every race. It is funny, though. I, I find... Even though Bahrain, I think, was a fantastic Grand Prix, um, it's a bit like 50 over cricket. You want the yeah. the first 10, 15 laps, the last 10, 15 laps, and the middle tends to be a little bit down. Um, this is one of the better middles, just because you've got different strategies on pit stops and tyres and everything. But uh, even so, I, I think it's just a little bit down there. And this is where Massa makes a good run forward at the start of the race. Um, you see him just overtaking Kvyat. Uh, coming up behind Pastor Maldonado, showing a lot of promise, but you never know with Maldonado. How do you think the pressure is going to come onto Kavir? Because yeah, it's his first year in the big league, but uh, he—I mean, Ricardo's a quality driver, yeah, and he's just owned Kavir, and Verstappen is looking fucking brilliant for a kid his age. Exactly, and the thing is, he kind of the excuse that Formula One's new or anything. He had his time in Toro Rosso. Mm. Um, everyone else came in and managed to swim when they're in Red Bull. There'll be many that have that have really fucked it up. No, I reckon he's got next year. Yeah, in Red Bull, and if he if he fucks that up, or if Ricardo leaves, Verstappen will be in there. And I I honestly think Verstappen looks faster. Yeah, yeah, I think he does too. And um, Sainz has got a bit of cash behind him as well, though. But Red Bull they're yeah, doing so it pretty good for cash. Sainz haven't been hasn't been so impressive, at least not yet. I mean, it's only a couple race, oh, yeah. a few races in. Yeah, but uh, I. I'd put Kvyat as, um, not only is he not challenging Ricardo, um, he's struggling. Yeah, he's struggling full stop. And, I mean, Red Bull's problems are, when we've got a litany of problems they've yeah. got, so it, it might be a bit hard to square it all on Kvyat or understand what, what's you know relevant to what. So I'd, I'd be surprised if we didn't give him another year. Oh, you've got to give him another year. Another year. Yeah. But um, the big thing is, the reason cars have... Oh, teams have two cars is because they want to take the driver out of the equation as much as possible. Yeah. You know, if, if their car is shit, only having one driver, it might just be a shit driver. But having two, if your car's up in front, it's because you've got a good car. Yeah, if exactly. If both cars are up there. Yeah. But uh, with this, you've got Ricardo, who's been in points every week, and Kvyat, who really hasn't. And even when he's out-qualified Ricardo, he hasn't outraced him. Yeah, I and mean, I think he's only out-qualified him once. Yeah, and even, and that even with that... Bugs. Qualifying, whilst being very important, it's, at the end of the race is what's worth points. Yeah. So you get guys like uh, Johnny Verum was a, a, a big one who would qualify well, but yeah. race fairly ordinary. I think I think Verma's unlucky. I think he has a lot more to give F1 level. Unfortunately, that doesn't include cash. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, he's over in Formula E doing his thing and getting a fan boost every week. So <laughs> he has to do something right or he's just, just pity votes, I think. <laughs> or he's just got a whole bunch of mates in India who are just getting on there, voting every <laughs> yeah. week. Yeah. But I actually quite like Formula E. I've, I've said it many times before. I think that's a, a brilliant category. Yeah. And I, 
I really like the GP2 series as well mm. for Formula 1. It's been going really good. Uh, I think we actually missed <clears throat> a bit of action on the last one where it looks like, I don't know, Massa's still up, tucked, by, tucked up behind. Um, I don't there know. Goes Rosberg. There goes Rosberg. His, this pass is a pass that you see him do so like good on him for passing on track yeah but that um, let me through we both crash pass yeah that he does all the damn time yeah like just dives right in there and then leaves the driver on the outside no room at all yeah like right here he's going all the way over and actually pushes does everything short of pushing Vettel off yeah Um, you know I I can't pretend that I wouldn't try and slam into the side of Vettel either yeah but uh, it's just Pretty messy. Yeah, and I mean, to me, it, it reminds me of, especially that, I think it was the second corner pass, or maybe the first corner pass, it's almost like a, a supercross overtake where you're not hitting the apex, you're driving the other driver into the fence and making sure you just yeah. sit on the corner and stand him up, and then you get the, that acceleration from nothing, it's pretty much a drag race down at the corner, and you've got track position. Yeah, and that's what it is a lot of, like, diving in on the inside, that pass is always just about getting to the corner first but when it's such yeah. a sharp corner you can't make that corner if you dive too late yeah exactly so you, you see it so often and Vettel does it too um, where they just take the corner far too late to have anything near the racing, racing line yeah and they're just hoping the other driver gets out of the way and the thing with the first corner here um, you'll notice it on the next lap if they show it when heading towards the corner on the left hand side there's more space and what that does that actually allows for a couple of different racing lines going through um, the first little um, corners one I think through to four little concertina through there and um, it sets up different lines on each corner and gives you a different way to overtake but in doing that that's where Rosberg got that pass because to overtake like that and really um, sit on the corner and push them out wide it stops them being able to effectively use that line. Yeah, I mean, it, it might be a little bit harsh to comment on how sloppy the overtake was when you're... Look, Rosberg's no slouch, and yeah. he's in the class of the field car. Yep. So if you can get by him, yep. uh, if he can get by someone, he's going to. And, I mean, if he wants to win this championship, he has to be that aggressive. There's mm, no two ways yeah. about it because he's getting walked all over by, by Hamilton, and I can't think of any area that I would say Rosberg has had the edge over him this season. No, I, I think uh, Rosberg's underachieved, um, and you'd have to uh, you'd have to say that that's the case when Hamilton's beating him in quality and in race. Yeah, and it even was, it was really telling in last week's press conference after the Shanghai um, Formula One race, where Lewis was talking about his his pace up front and the accusations that he might have been going intentionally slow to push Rosberg back into reach of Vettel. And um, he was, you know, a bit mouthy about that and not very happy. And I see what Lewis is saying, where you should be racing these races to win. And if the person in front of you is going a bit slower, you would think that's a good thing because you need to get past them where you can't. And if you can't, if you don't have that confidence, if it's a bad thing that you're catching the guy in front of you, then you're not a real racing driver. Yeah, I mean, the the team wants both drivers to finish one too. Yeah. But if you're a driver and you're okay with that, you're not a driver. Yeah, exactly. There are no drivers that are okay with being beaten by their teammate under no circumstances. Even the drivers that allow their teammate through for a world championship still do so only really begrudgingly. Yeah. We've actually missed a bit of action on the um, coverage where um, Massa overtaking Maldonado and Maldonado ended up running the arse off him and pretty much destroying his diffuser. And so instead of having a car that was uh, had lots of um, understeer, 
it switched it in the blink of an eye and made it have a massive amount of oversteer. And that pretty much halted Massa's charge to the front. It would have been looking good if he started from his original spot. And he was even looking good charging from the back from where he was. But that incident put the, put the kibosh on that. Well, yeah, it's, it's the third best car, the Williams, after yeah. Ferrari and um, Mercedes. Yeah. They've got the edge over Red Bull. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yep. Yeah, isn't there? It's pretty hard to deny that one. They're just a, a more complete package. Um, I think Hamilton's probably getting a bit bored about now. Um, he's got clean air ahead of him. Vettel's not really challenging. Uh, the gap's widening. Uh, I think he's even gone into fuel save mode. And the interesting thing about this race is it is a nice night race, but the practice sessions and the um, uh, start of the qualifying sessions isn't in line with the times that the race is starting. So that affects the setup and um, your ability to gather relevant information about tyre degradation and tyre wear because the temperatures will be much different compared to the practice oh, than the race. Is, is pasta... Making a pass. Pasta, yeah. So Pasta had his one incident with um, Massa for this race and ruined his race. Uh, Massa was not happy at all. And um, a bit of interesting information about Pasta, which people seem to have forgotten, was um, he's actually been banned from Monaco for life when he was a GP2 driver. He actually um, hit a marshal under double yellow wave flags and he broke the marshal's back, almost killed him. And um, he was banned for life from, from Monaco. But then his old man and his sponsors with a shitload of cash threw it at him and got it reduced to a, a nine nine race ban and he was allowed to race again so I mean with that sort of precedence it's not a particularly surprising turn of events for, for Maldonado in Formula 1 yeah he's he's n- I'm never gonna be able to see him as a quality driver yeah I mean he's got pace because you don't you don't fluke a race win like like he did he, the race, race that he won he, he dominated it he led from beginning to end and had the pole position so he's got something there, but I mean... But the thing is, there's there's 10,000 drivers with pace. Yeah. You can have good pace. doesn't make you a good F1 driver. It's not just being able to drive the wheels off the thing. It's being able to drive to the point, like holding and controlling the car. Yeah. Um, well, what I was going to say is that perhaps all he's got is crazy. Yeah, well, I think you need a little bit of crazy in this, but I don't think he's got much else. Yeah, well, that's it. We'll see a DRS with Alonso chasing down Massa and not getting anywhere. Mm. Yeah, I did see uh, Bernie was talking about bringing back the 1,000-horsepower uh, V8s. I think that's all it's going to be is talk. But yeah. uh, you could definitely see them upping the horsepower in the engines, which I think will suit Honda. Uh, I think it's a guarantee they're upping the horsepower. I think they're going to get 1,000 uh, minimum. Yeah, and even if they end up going to you know, a V6 uh, twin-turbo or something with 1,000 horsepower, you're going to yeah. see... Everyone but Mercedes would love to see it. Yeah. Well, apparently for the power, all they've got to do is change the displacement in the engine and that'll get up there pretty easy, apparently. Yeah, but once you start messing with that, you're going to have different volume of exhaust gases, which is going to change the turbo. Uh, so they're going to have to unfreeze a lot of development. Yeah. Well, it's for the 2016-17 season. I think they're going to try and get it in. Yeah, I think 2017 is what they're talking about, which uh, will have every engine manufacturer bar Mercedes just going, yep, yep, we're on about it. Maybe Ferrari, but I think uh, Ferrari would probably like to have the uh, V6 Twins 1,000 horsepower in there because they can use it. Yeah, well, an interesting thing is is that it's it's long been talked about Audi coming into the fold of Formula 1, and uh, the inside word was that the head of Audi had personal problems with Bernie and said, I'll never put money into anything that he's involved in. I mean, you can see why, because he's had some scandals going on. Yep. However, Bernie came out and said, if Audi want to want to enter F1, he'll step aside, he'll step down. And I mean, it's all talk, but you never know. 
let's get into that age. And if Audi came in, it would make it really interesting because it could be in Renault exits. Audi slips in and they can get a factory Red Bull team, dip their toes in, and, and then probably take on a full team, probably by Toro Rosso. Well, the thing is, too, Audi's got a very long and illustrious history with Le Mans. Yeah. Uh, and that served them so well in their sports car class. Yeah. Um, Did just hurt the- they bought Lamborghini, too. <laughs> no, that has, has helped. But... Um, and then we go over to drifting. But um, having that uh, history in Le Mans, even though there'd be precious little from their... I think the R10 was the last big one, but uh, from their open-wheel class that can transfer across. Yeah. And then we see the dive again. There is. Um, that's the Supercross pass for Rosberg. Yep. But, um, you know, I think uh, there's a lot more... Uh, usable technology that can come out of F1. Yeah. Uh, Le Mans, brilliant for reliability. You win that and your reliability uh, of your brand just gets this massive halo effect. Yeah. Uh, we saw it with Toyota. Toyota are known to be reliable uh, when they had uh, some good Le Mans results. Um, and they're back there doing some good work as well. Yeah, I think Audi recently has struggled because they've had a lot of... Um, a lot of their cars are not being made in Germany anymore. They're being made in Korea, Vietnam, those sort of places. And some of them have had reliability issues. Uh, they had a few recalls of several of their brands. Yeah. But uh, even so, they're still a top-notch car. You, you wouldn't put them quite at uh, Mercedes level, but I'd actually put them in around BMW level in terms of uh, brand uh, admiration, I suppose. Yeah. yeah, about what they're offering. I mean, I still take the M5 over the R8, but as far really? as the... Yeah. No, I'll go for the R8. Yeah. I like the M5s. I don't know why. Is that all-wheel? No, I don't think so. I think it's it rear-wheel real. um, yeah. twin-turbo V6. Yeah, I like the all-wheel of the R8. Uh, twin-turbo V8, I think. No, V6 now, yeah. Because so it was a V10, and then they dropped it to a... I want to say V6, but maybe it was V8. But anyway, it's faster than the V10, so... Here you see Kimi catching uh, Vettel, which is good news for Ferrari. They like to have both their um, drivers being able to make the car work for them. You see just there too, Kimi's pulling out of corners. He's not going flat pace. Which You see him taking near the line, which is probably why he's got a bit better tyre tire wear. Yeah, and he's also... He's not right up Vettel's ass. So obviously yeah. he's, he's driving pretty clean. He's not driving super aggressively. Yeah. Uh, he's just waiting for Vettel to make a mistake, which, you know, is uh, it's pretty daring for a, you know, a former world champion to wait for a four-time world champion to make a mistake. Hmm. But um, Raikkonen, you know, they call him the last man for nothing. Yep. Here's some radio. <laughs> so he thinks he can go faster and he will try and overtake him. I mean, usually that's a moot point with Kimi. I think the response was uh, No. <laughs> but um, Kimmy he, he tends to race his own race um, the only time you hear anything out of him is when he's screaming for blue flags to get lapped cars out of the way or to get shit cars out of the way well he has had a bit of a change of tone over the last couple of race weekends because um, he actually quite likes his Ferrari sitting in at the moment and he wouldn't mind staying around for a couple of years and his contract's up in this year and I mean you can, you can bet Ferrari will you know they'll, they'll put it out there he does seem to have rediscovered motivation that he seemed to be lacking. Well, that is, that's usually completely um, correlated to how good his car is. If his car is good, yep, he'll race the balls off. If it's not, he's usually not, you know, 
much much interested in racing Formula One. Yeah, great uh, camera angles, chance. Yeah, man. If it's Monaco, you got bitches in bikinis in that angle. <laughs> You see, Rockins within the DRS zone, so it's all completely feasible that he could overtake him. It is uh, funny to see Vettel struggle in ways, and how he doesn't seem to cope that well. No, like uh, they were just saying then about his he's struggling with the tire deck. You see, every driver struggle with tire degradation. But yeah. uh, it just seems to affect Vettel so much more. Does um, and he's normally fantastic on his tyres, and um, it's it's an improved Ferrari for all those areas this year as well. And he's still sort of struggling, which is kind of worrying because I mean it's really the first year we'll see the complete James Allison Ferrari, and he was designing the Lotus when Kimi was there, and obviously Kimi when he's when he's comeback race, uh, not his first race when he came back, but actually no, he was him in Australia. Oh, I can't remember, but. Um, one month for Lotus with a car that he got to work really well for him. So James Allison, he already knows what sort of car um, Kimi needs in order to, to win. And it's just a matter of seeing what Seb likes. And also Kimi was there last year when they were able to develop the car as well. So his input you would have played a big part in the final product of this car. And there goes Sainz locking up again. Yep. Go for a bit of a tour. No, he stayed on track. Um, yeah, I think uh, the I think Raikkonen will win a race this year. Yeah. I think it's just going to be a, a case of they're going to catch up towards the end of the year. Mercedes is going to start putting the queue in the rack a little bit because they'll yep. have locked down the Constructors' Championship. Um, I think there are going to be a few late races that'll be up for grabs a bit. Yeah. Uh, especially like Monaco. Yep. Where, uh, you know, you either keep a clean line or end up in the wall. And it's just interesting um, reading about some of the different solutions to packaging, and especially with the, the engine configuration. Where I mean, everyone's heard about Mercedes and the split turbo, but um, apparently it's not as huge a deal as they've made it out to be, and that's to cover up some other benefits they had, which were to do with cooling and the packaging of their radiators um, in behind the, the side pods. But um, apparently the Ferrari, the, their sort of energy um, improvement came from uh, the way they constructed their MGUK. Apparently, most people go... Um, the MGUK, which is on the, the crank, and you'll have your compressor and then, you know, your engine. Um, they did it the other way around, apparently. Uh, of course, no one actually comes out and says all this stuff. It's based, based on photos that have been taken and postulations by those in the know. And apparently with Honda, well, with that with that configuration for Ferrari, what that does is give them a much better uh, capable um, electronic power unit. But their um, actual combustible engine... Still down about 40 horsepower, but they've got improvements to that coming for Barcelona. And with the Honda, um, the way that they've configured theirs, they've got the split turbo as well. But I saw some photos come out from the Bahrain GP, and um, I think it might have been Craig Scarborough pointed out that um, you couldn't see where they've actually got their um, their, their uh, turbo compressor or the MGUK and all that sort of stuff. It's just not packaged there. So it's being theorized that they've actually got it all stuffed in, in between the V of the engine, in between... Um, hmm. I reckon they've got the compressor in between the first and fourth cylinders. Uh, it looks like a tidy engine. If they can get it to work, um, I'm expecting good things. Well, yeah, Honda have got a, a long racing history, except for recent times. But uh, you'd have to think, it, as engine builders, and they, they've been building engines for you know, decades. Yeah. They'd have everything they needed to build a competitive engine. Yep. I mean, when you're, you've got 
engines made for, you know, lawnmowers, all the way up to power boats. Yeah. Um, you'd have access to so many different ex- uh, levels of expertise and technology and options. So, yeah. you know, you look at, all right, what are, what are power boats doing? What are um, high compression engines doing? And you'd be able to take so much uh, knowledge from people who have been involved in that yeah. across the whole company. And that's it. And the only, the only issues that they have across all teams you know, with those, with that, that theory in mind is just correlation to the track, to um, their uh, factory, um, whether it be their rolling road or dyno or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Honda have had a real problem in correlating their, their results on the dyno onto the track results. The real world, yeah. But I mean, Fernando, you know, stuck it on 12th for this, no, 14th for this race. So it's it's moving forward. But when you've got two world champions in your team it's not really what you want to be sitting and I mean Honda the Japanese aren't the most forgiving when it comes to failure and I know Arai-san who's the, the representative of Honda for the McLaren team he's always having to come out and find some excuse to why it's not doing too well it's funny Arai-san whenever I, whenever I hear it said it just reminds me of Bricktop with someone going <laughs> alright son So Vettel's come in to pit, which He's is pretty undercut. It's freed up Raikkonen to um, extend. And there were two theories on, on how you'd run this race in regards to tyre strategy. And it was theorised before the race that um, uh, Vettel, for the best chance to win, and Kimi you know, by proxy, would be to run um, option, option, prime, but do longer runs on the options to do the shorter run on the prime. But However, after the first stint, um, they've realised that the, the prime tyre actually tend to be the better tyre. So you weren't actually looking to um, shorten the period on that one. You wanted to extend it. And, I mean, this is just one of the results of having the practices during the day and the actual race at night. It's it's uh, it's difficult to calculate accurately um, how the tyre's going to react in those temperatures. Yeah, I and mean, it seems from here that the the pace comes out of the soft tyre so quick, like within yeah. five laps. Yeah. Um, whereas the... The medium tyre takes a bit longer to switch on, yeah. but lasts like 30, 40 laps. Yeah, and their, their temperature window is a bit wider as well. Mm. So it and makes there's Grosjean with his win it or bin it, and you see the brakes just so red hot there. Um, you can see it from both angles that he's just lit up the front brakes. He's got a very heavy front brake bias by the look of it, so he yep. uh, oversteers slightly. And I mean, a lot of them got an adjustable brake bias as well, and they could just push the bias towards the front for that corner just to get a little bit extra out of it yeah Rosberg did that on his pass with Vettel uh, yep. it was only a couple of percent generally they go between 50-50 uh, front to back and move it up to 5% towards the front and that's enough to make a massive difference in the way the car turns in and there goes Vettel through as you can see by the little infographic there Rosberg came out from behind so the undercut worked for Vettel And Hamilton doesn't give a shite. He's just driving off in the distance. The thing is, though, Raikkonen's still taking out half a second a lap, even at the moment. Uh, and that's on the same tyre as Hamilton. Like, they've both done the same amount of laps, everything. So he's still outpacing Hamilton. Hamilton has, is likely still conserving fuel. He's just doing what he needs to do. But uh, it shows that Raikkonen does have genuine pace. It wasn't just a strategy that worked for him in this race. It was ability. And you can see he's got the experience to um, understand what he needs to do 
um, at that point in time to get the maximum result at the end. He's not short-sighted. He understands how, how to structure a race and how to drive it um, according to strategies that will change depending on you know, um, temperatures or pit stops and safety cars. He's a true racer. He wants to finish at the best possible position at the end of the race, not just have the most purple sectors or whatever. Yeah. So Hamilton pits in the lead. You've probably got a good shot of the new Mercedes front wing there. Um, you see the cascades actually curve all the way around and um, join at the base of the end plate. And it's just mainly with um, directing the wash of the um, the um, front wing around the tyres and not having to get caught up in the tyres. <laughs> and, and that pass is one of the most dangerous ones. You see, Vettel looked like he wanted to try and drive Rosberg into the back of Hamilton. Yeah. And then sort of thought the better of it and backed out a bit. And but, then uh, and Rosberg did a bit of a kamikaze move left. Yeah. He looked like he genuinely tried to uh, create space by running into Vettel. Um, it was kind of lucky that Vettel moved out of the way. Yeah. Then again, it would have been pretty spectac- spectacular for them both to come together. Oh, it would have been spectacular if all three came together. <laughs> if uh, you see Rosberg up the arse of... Um, Hamilton and both into the side of Vettel. Thought you were going to really break some news then. Oh, no, apparently, yeah, Nico's engaged to a woman. Oh, Oh. really? Yeah. Hmm. Stranger things have happened. Oh, good on Princess Nico. Yeah, apparently his dress is really nice. Just imagine, it would be kind of funny if, you know, if the rumours were true and he did come out. You'd see a whole new raft of sponsors in F1. What if Bernie's like, you know, surely one of you blokes is gay? <laughs> come on, at least one of you come out. Well, if there was money in it, Bernie would turn gay. Oh. Yeah, those titanium skid plates, just, they, they do look so good when they light up. Yeah. Um, even though there is, you know, highly practical reasons for it, it just yeah. looks cool too. It was interesting to listen to Nigel Mansell talk about it. And I mean, take it with a grain of salt because Nigel doesn't mind talking about himself. But um, <laughs> he was saying that back in the day when it had like PK and Senna and Prost, um, he'd look around the track for little bumps in that so that when he was getting followed closely by someone, he'd go across them and send sparks at the back and put the driver behind him off. But he was saying that back in those days, the sparks would actually burn into your visor if you're like following right up the ass of the car in front of you. That makes sense. They'd, they'd be a, a fairly soft plastic, I imagine, not the polycarbonate thing they've got now. Yeah, yeah. Plus, you've got tear-off strips on the outside too, so I'm guessing there. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Thin. Oh, imagine how bad Shit. that'd be. If you're driving along with you know, yeah. several tear-off strips and you get one spark that goes through all of them, mm-hmm. it's like having the little squiggle in your eye jelly. Is Ricardo moving in about seventh at the moment, which is actually, it's very good for where the car is. Yeah. Um, realistically, they should be seventh or eighth is about where they can ask for. Yeah. And then um, Kvyat down in fifteenth. Yeah. And Sainz and Verstappen sixteenth and seventeenth. So is the only Renault Renault within distance of anything important? Is the only Renault in points at all? And in comes Kimmy. This is a nice looking pit lane with it all lit up. 
It is. And look at that. Bang, bang, done. That was about a 2.7, 2.8? 2.5. Ah, I was well off. Another little interesting fact for this race, Mercedes, I think Ferrari and Ribble as well, took the monkey seat off of um, their car, which is the little it's the little flaps that they've got above the exhaust pipe. Uh, what that does is creates a bit of upwash, a uh, bit of extra downforce towards the end just by um, conglomerating all the air behind the car. Uh, just to give a little bit of speed because um, top, top speed is important to this track. And there's Hamilton's pit stop where they had a slight mistake there. Yeah, apparently, I was, I was reading online, uh, someone noticed that the guy actually had the real gun in reverse. He was seeing to push it through, yep. and, uh, and then it'll go click. the right way. There we yeah. go. He actually had it on reverse, forgot to change it back. Yep, and he's gotten sacked, I dare say. They probably had another one for the next pit stop. Because every one of those uh, pit crew have at least one replacement. Yeah. Just yeah. because they're such a, a tight-knit unit, that yep. if one person's got the flu or anything, bad yeah. luck. It doesn't matter if you're a tenth of a percent off your potential. That cost the team a tenth on the track. Yep. And you reckon a driver would not uh, would be rather upset for every tenth missing. We just saw Hamilton, uh, he had a 3.7 second stop, which is a second off the general average. Yeah. Uh, in the debrief, he would be having a fair crack. And um, there's a bit of a difference between some of the cars have got what they call a blown wheel nut, where they actually, uh, you'll see the brake ducts, It'll actually direct a little bit of air through the wheel nut, and what that will do is it'll act as a it'll seal the edges aerodynamically, which will allow all the air to pass either under or over the car, and not um, just bleed out. Uh, it's just a better aerodynamic solution. And you see that move there, Confia. That's a lot cleaner than Rosberg did on the same corner. He went to the outside, brought the other car on the outside, and then passed inside. So you can do an inside pass; it'll have it clean. Yeah. And with those blown wheel nuts, they're actually you need a different um, jack, uh, different jack uh, wheel gun to put them on and off. And apparently, it's just a little more, more difficult to line up. Uh, you notice when Red Bull do theirs, apparently they found a little clever solution, or so they think. They've got covers over their um, their wheel guns because they've got something to get around that. That's uh, Chico getting told that he's done a good job, but it's not good enough. Going to have to try and do 20 laps in this set. You see, Hulkenberg um, did all right with qualifying with the Force India. It's about what you expect. I mean, they're struggling for cash, so there's not really a whole lot they can do. Even Sauber's struggling for cash. Uh, Manisha has came out and said that apparently... The aerodynamics are all the same as last year. Uh, their improvement can pretty much solely be put down to the improvements of the Ferrari engine. <laughs> and um, with the Ferrari engine, it's interesting um, to see how Haas F1 will come in next year because Ferrari's made leaps and bounds. And I'll, I would think that with no extra expense to Haas, it puts them in a good situation with being able to integrate that engine into a chassis and have a lot of time to sit back and see you know, what does and doesn't work with, with the other Ferrari cars. And um, they've got their base in, um, I can't remember what suburb it was in, but in the UK now anyway. And they're, I think they're actually looking pretty good. Well, yeah, I mean, being um, an American-based, well, American-flagged uh, team yeah. will certainly help promote in the US. Yeah. But um, I think also having more cars on the grid stops this uh, slow middle yeah. of the race. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, more cars mean, you know, a, a 
bigger spread of cars. So yeah. you're lapping cars, you're fighting for more positions. Yeah. And I just think it will stop that sort of a lull. Um, the front runners will hate it because there's more cars going yeah. to into. Yeah. But if you're watching the race, you're going to like it because there's more things that can happen. So yeah. when a when a guy up front comes up onto back markers, if they get out of the way straight away, they're still going to be taking some of the line off uh, the guys chasing or the guy directly behind. So there's still a lot more variance that can happen. Uh, while we all do want a nice, clean race, we want no, a bit of entertainment don't. too. Who <laughs> wants a nice, clean race? Well, you know, you, you get that at qualifying. <coughs> Only the drivers want nice, clean races. Yeah, true enough. But um, yeah, so I think it'll be interesting with Haas when they come in and just see where they where they fit in. And the thing with Haas as well, they're not. He's not an investment banker. He's not, you know, director of a hedge fund coming in and yeah. trying to flog off with whatever he's doing. He's a race car builder, a race car driver as well. So he knows what he's doing. Yeah, I reckon it'll be brilliant. I'd be. I wouldn't expect immediate success, but no. uh, they're going to get. A pretty good hand dealt to them, so yep. you know. I think immediate success would be if they were able to score any point at all through the whole season, and that would be brilliant for them. I think they'll definitely score points in the first season. That's just because they've taken their maximum amount of Ferrari parts that they're allowed entitled to have. Uh, so the drive shaft, um, most of their computing is all going to be Ferrari systems, and it's in Ferrari's best interest to to um, do a little bit of experimenting with them because they're not. Um, under the same regulations as the current teams at the moment, because obviously they haven't developed anything. They're yeah. on the grid, so I think I think it'll be a Ferrari car straight up, and that's why it'll be successful. And then Haas, they'll you know they'll slowly but surely turn it into their own little little machine. They haven't signed any drivers yet, though, have they? No, no. Big Alexander Rossi um, doing pretty well in the lower tiers. Uh, you wouldn't be surprised if he came there, and I'm guessing they'll get an experienced driver for for their main seat. But um, he said he's not doesn't care if they're not um, US to begin with because obviously he understands that you got to win straight up. Yeah, it's all good being patriotic and having your own homegrown team, but if you don't win, then it's pretty fucking pointless. And no one's really that keen on seeing Scott Speed back. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I mean, I don't know, but I'm going to guess Jimmy Johnson didn't worth shit in F1 car. <laughs> and again, maybe not. Maybe he fucking kills it. Who knows? Until he has to turn right. Yeah. But here we have, uh, you know, on lap 22, Hamilton, Rosberg and Vettel all split by a second and a half. But uh, Hamilton's just pitted and he's just doing what he has to do. He's still looking after the tyres. He's just taking his sweet-ass time. Hogenberg just running out of tyres. But, I mean, it's going to happen sooner or later. And different strategies with Vettel here. He's on the, uh, the I don't know, he's still on the option. No, they went uh, soft, soft, medium. Um, the only one who went soft, hard, soft was um, Raikkonen. Oh, that's right. I was Raikkonen. He was a red one. <laughs> and even now, Raikkonen nine seconds off Vettel uh, and only three seconds ahead of Bottas, who's coming hard. You'd have to think, uh, you know, did we make the right choice? We've got him on the mediums, which is a slower tyre. But uh, Ferrari, they did brilliantly for a split strategy. Yeah, well, I think at this point, um, Raikkonen actually starts lapping faster than than Vettel, I think, because you got a bit more longevity in the in the um, prime time. Yeah, you can push it through a lot more corners. So, and here we go, NASA versus Massa, part 
what part are we up to now? Two, three. Um, they have some really nice battles, and it's clean racing. Um, both of them are driving very aggressively, but they're not uh, threatening to come together that much. No, no, NASA was the Williams Reserve driver, so he's probably not going to go as balls out with them since they probably give him a bit of cash to get in that seat, I would imagine. Yeah, maybe he wants to get balls out, so he's trying to see if he can get it back. Although, you know, I think Sauber are on the way up. Um, I think Ferrari's on the way up, and Sauber have just jumped on the coattails yeah. of the engine, but I think they're still struggling for cash. And, I mean, Manisha has come out and said she didn't understand what the whole Vandergaard situation was. Like, what was he trying to achieve? She's yeah. like, he's never going to race the car because um, he never super license. It's like, well, that's not the point. The point is you made a deal and you reneged on it, and it's the principle. And the fact that he's going to get a payout, and that payout goes towards another race seat. Yeah, which uh, hasn't really materialised because he didn't have a super licence. Yeah, but I mean, if Manisha can't see that, she's she's a lawyer and she's supposedly very smart. She doesn't make a lot of smart decisions. Well, you know, I think a lot of it's politics and she's probably got people advising her who may not have her best interests at heart. Yeah. And sounds like a lot more wishful thinking than actual logic. But, you know, they're, they're able to keep the team going, which is more than a lot of teams can say. Yeah, and I mean, I, I like Sauber as a as a team. I just don't like what the current um, people are doing with it. Yeah, it seems like they've taken a bit of a, a shotgun approach to, well, racing in general. It's like they just want to be in F1 for the sake of being in F1, but I don't understand what their purpose is. Well, there's a heavy lockup from NASA, which gets NASA a little closer. They don't have any outside interests. Like, There's no other aspect to the Sauber brand except for Formula One and the race team and they're struggling to, to do it I don't see why they wouldn't maybe branch out into a different different league of racing that's a bit more under control yeah, it is a, a funny one they're quite unique in that way that they're not really promoting anything no. um, then you could argue that makes them good for sponsors they're only just promoting sponsors oh yeah <laughs> we've got a couple of them and that's the problem they're, they're not their sponsors they're driver sponsors oh, pretty much the money goes to them obviously but um Driver goes, that sponsor goes too. Here goes NASA. Bit far back. Yeah, so you had DRS, but the Ferrari engine's just a couple of horses down on the Mercedes engine. You see Rosberg, he's still closing on uh, Hamilton. But again, Hamilton's not taking everything out of him. Um, he's just doing what he needs to do. He knows he's got the race won, pretty much, unless he makes a mistake or goes through serious tyre degradation. So by just controlling the race, keeping it uh, consistent rather than trying to drive the wheels off at every corner, he, he knows he's got it won. And uh, the same, same token, Rosberg knows that if he gets too far behind Lewis and doesn't overtake, then his tyres are shot. Hmm. And I just don't think he has the confidence to really believe that he can overtake Lewis. Well, no, I haven't uh, haven't seen much from him that would suggest he does. Um, from memory, I think he's overtaken him a couple of times, but it's always been on off strategy. And here you see NASA getting right at the gearbox. And, and then trying switching cut under, under, which he managed to poke it forward there. And that's what we're talking about, where you can get two different lines coming into mm. corners like that. Whereas, had Massa done what Rosberg done and slow, actually gone a bit slower and 
instead of hitting the apex, hit the outside of the apex. Mm. He pushes him wide and gives him nowhere to go. But this is a, a great pass. In yeah. that he goes outside, threads in, keeps the inside line, and, you know, Rob, think, Robert Chamada's brother. And the thing is, like I said before, um, NASA was the reserve driver at Williams, and they're both Brazilian as well, so you can expect they're going to give each other the, the due respect on the racetrack. This is one of the more exciting things, the the, the triple pit stops, where yeah. you see, guys, this is all up to team, and track position depends solely on how your team does. Yep. And again, if you remember the way they come out, it's also pretty entertaining. Clear. Go. 3.2. That's pretty ordinary for NASA. You'll see them side by side. 3.7. It's even worse for NASA. And then they'll go. Now, if there's one person you don't want to be side by side with, it has to be Maldonado. Yeah. So Maldonado comes out brilliantly there because his team had the best pit stop. But he's a loose cannon who is a bit fucking crazy. So every driver just... They give him a bit more space, which means he, he finds it a bit easy to hold position a lot of the time. But the fact he's a loose cannon and crazy <laughs> just means every driver wants to stay as far away as possible. I'd love to see what his damage bill is for the season. <laughs> Do you reckon he can insure his own cars? Or if the insurance companies just watch this and go, nah, fuck him. <laughs> Actually, I've seen some pretty funny memes online of um, they've just got cars crashed and then got the Malnado name tag from um, the bottom of the screen. You know, it has <laughs> yeah. like Malnado yeah. Lotus, that one. At like um, uh, Starship Destroyer. Oh, they were almost three wide there. Maldonado just went, nah, fuck it. I'm going ahead. Um, and honestly, Maldonado probably should have backed out. Um, but in, instead, he didn't. I'm actually kind of glad they let that go. Um, yeah. The drivers knew where each other were. There was no uh, unsafe release. It was close. But uh, each driver knew where the cars were, uh, what to avoid, and they were able to get out clean. You've got a problem. Uh, screwing around with the peg. They've left the... Uh, release clip in there or some shit the wheel nut on there somehow well they've got the uh, the tethers that if they leave the wheel nut off it's like they've got Thunderbirds helmets looks a bit like that yeah and then Ericsson just does a little bit of a burnout to go you know fuck you guys what are you doing to me now Kvyat's managed to move his way up to ninth, which is uh, pretty good for him especially being on the medium and about now, you'd probably say he's looking good for points, uh, having got the medium out of the way. But uh, again, he's just uh, hasn't had the results you'd want. I must say, Alonso's probably happy just to hear he's racing anybody at the end. At the moment, he's just struggling. That's not Jensen. You see, Vettel, an uncharacteristic mistake that will be a characteristic of this race. Maybe he's night blind. Maybe he's put on a couple of kgs, breaking points a bit <laughs> off. <laughs> I don't know, you're seeing Raikkonen take time out of him. Um, and Vettel's tyres aren't that old. 
No. He pitted, what, uh, lap 14? Mm. I can't remember. I, can't I think remember. that was the undercut pit at 14, um, or roundabouts there. But, um, you know, the, the, the tyre's still got plenty of life in it. Yep. And Raikkonen's on the mediums. Um, so you'd probably put them at a, about even in terms of available grip. And yet uh, Raikkonen's able to take a fair chunk of time out of him every lap. That's it. And if you watch the start of the race, where you'll see um, Raikkonen following Vettel through the first four corners, and he just keeps his line just a little touch tighter. And it actually makes a big cumulative difference to the tyre degradation over the sake of 10 laps. And you'll see Ricardo is the same. Just keeps a little tighter line, keeps it on the track. Um, you sacrifice a little bit of speed, but you'll get longevity out of it. Yeah, and it's that side of, like sideways movement that causes abrasion Yeah, that uh, really sucks the life out of the tyres. It's also why you see so many uh, little marbles, they call them, spread across the yeah. track. Yeah, That's also why they've got um, such thick, huge tyre walls. If you show the, show the slow motion, you'll see the lateral G-forces are ridiculous. Yeah, they're letting the drivers know wind strength's dropping just because it's a headwind coming to that first corner. Uh, the extra wind in the headwind means you get more downforce. So by letting them know the wind's dropping, they know just to bring the brake marker back a little bit, brake yep. a tiny bit earlier, because you won't have that assistance with the downforce. And also coming on to the the start-finish straight, um, obviously you're doing a 180-degree turn, so going into that turn, you've got a tailwind, which upsets your, your balance. It'll throw the arse around a bit. And then coming onto the straight, you've got the opposite, you've got a headwind, so you have the extra downforce. So it really does uh, reshape the way you'll take that final, turner, final turn. And you see, even at the back end, you've got Ericsson, who's two seconds behind his teammate, and then you've got a minute back to Manor. Um, that's NASA overtaking one of the Toro Rosso's. Science. Science. Apparently gets angry if you call him Science Junior. I just call him Son. See how I like someone. <laughs> I don't really know how you can be angry being called Science Junior when that's the only reason you got a gig. Yep, <laughs> that's exactly right. It's probably all about standing on his own two feet or something. Oh, science version 1.1. What I mean, you can see why. I mean, Verstappen's got a twin-seater with his old man in the back. <laughs> that's just because he's got to put P-plates on. Well, that's true. Yeah, he's probably his designated driver. It's funny I hear a lot of people talk about the noise. I actually quite like it. Yeah, I just like to hear a bit more of it. <laughs> but I do like hearing the turbo wine and the uh, generation of um, the MGUK on braking. It's kind of like sitting next to a semi truck in traffic or something. You yeah. hear that. Now, you can imagine Alonso is pretty much fuming right about now. Here's Hulkenberg, a guy that I don't know if he's ever taken Alonso before in his life. And now it's happening a few races in a row. Alonso's a competitive motherfucker. He wouldn't take that nicely. He's got Massa up behind him. Massa's going to absolutely fucking love this one. 
see Massa taking out two seconds a lap. Uh, that's just that's just crazy. And we're starting to move in just past the middle. But uh, even so, the race is still fairly dull around this time. Um, you know, apart from a, a three-car battle pit stop, there hasn't really been much you'd uh, you'd talk about. No. Here it's all just setting up for a final pit stop, and then that's where all the strategy comes into play. It's kind of like a, a one-day match in cricket, where um, you have a bit of action at the start, and that's all about trying to set up the match you want to play, and then in the middle, it's all about this the, the execution. It tends to be a little bit of a lull, especially without refueling these days, because it's, uh, different strategies are a lot harder to come by. And it usually comes to a bit of a, a culmination towards the end. One of the funny things you see with Bahrain, um, they just showed the home straight then, there are very few grandstands available. Like most corners are bare. Like yeah. Right now, that corner there would be a fantastic viewpoint. You've got some grandstands there, but most corners are empty there's no spectators um i don't know whether that's just because they don't really care if anyone goes to watch or whether there's not as much interest in the public as you got in other cities but um it just looks kind of weird to have such empty grandstands or such empty corners with no grandstands yeah i think a lot of it's probably got to do that they're under a tyrannical dictatorship and they get told what they can and can't do it's probably all to do with it yeah, entirely possible uh, the king isn't terribly popular um, at the moment, or well, for the last few years since Arab Spring, and in uh, F1's got caught up in all that that mess as well, and they haven't done themselves any favours by making a deal with Abidjan, whatever the fuck they're called. Uh, pretty much, apparently, is the same deal. What don't kill them on where we can see them? No, I don't even think that's that's um, to that extreme. I think you can kill people as long as. Um, the opposition to the government. And we've got yellows. And there he is. There's signs. I see they've taken off Junior on the end there, so maybe that's been yep. at uh, his request. So that's one Renault down. There goes NASA sparking it up. You wonder why Toro Rosso switched to Renault Power? Because Renault was never a great engine. Uh, I think it was part of the deal for Red Bull to be a manufacturer team with um, Renault. Uh, they wanted to have the minimums. Yeah, um, and also you've you've got more data coming in if you've got yeah. another team they'd still be pissed about it now oh hell yeah imagine if they had the Ferrari engine still but there, there's no way Ferrari was going to give him an engine knowing that Red Bull could <laughs> you know have complete access to it there were a lot of braking issues in this, this race as well a lot to do with the temperatures and been hot during the day and obviously a significant cool change when the sun goes down so it's just the configuration uh, it's hard to get a spot on during the practice sessions but you see drivers still trying to drive to the ragged edge and a lot of them overcooking it and just ending up uh, going for a bit of a drive in the scenery 
Yeah. I'm assuming that's his mum. It's Mark Webber's miss. Oh, hang on, no. It's, uh, <laughs> About now, you'd have to think that Bottas is kind of accepted he's out of podium contention. Um, just a bit too far away. Yeah, and listening to Claire Williams before the race, she was saying that this is about where they they really are. I mean, they're obviously disappointed they couldn't take it to Mercedes and just surprised at, at Ferrari's um, leap over the off-season. But mm. they're, they're, they're on the right track. And they've always said, you know, they have the biggest budget. They've got to work smarter and harder than everyone mm. else. The, another big interesting thing just then that was the infographic came out come up about uh, estimated fuel consumption. Despite the fact that Renault is about eighty horsepower down, mm. it's still using more fuel than yeah. the Ferrari, yep. and about the same comparatively as the Mercedes. Which you know, if your engine's unreliable, inefficient, and yeah. you know not powerful, yep. that's kind of the hat trick of fucking up for an engine manufacturer. Yeah. Um, it, if you had more power but using more fuel, you can adjust to that. You can race to that. Yeah, yeah. If you're more economical but slightly lower on power, power yeah. you can race to that too. You can be like, all right, well, we know we're going to have no problems with this. Yeah. But when you're using more fuel and producing less power... Exactly. And you're having the engines blow up. Yeah, and um, some of that could be down to they're not as good at, at harnessing the electronic side of their um, power unit. And Red Bull have had uh, lots of problems with their brakes over the last few races as well. Mm, so I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if that's had an effect on their ability to, to, to harvest the electronic energy. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the more electronic energy you can use, the less petrol you need to yeah. use. Um, but for whatever reason, it's not happening. Uh, yeah. Red Bull's probably got the, still the best aero team going around. Yeah. Well, but- Adrian Newey, I mean, he's the genius. And the people who are uh, sort of coming further with aerodynamics this year, usually they've had been around Adrian Newey or... Done a significant study of his machineries over the year. Oh, if, if you're an aerodynamicist, he's the bloke you're looking towards. Um, you'd want to know exactly what he does all t- at all times. But um, you know, having said that, Mercedes are doing some brilliant things all across the board. They've got fantastic aero, they've got a fantastic engine, and the way the chassis puts it all to use is perfect. Um. Their car has no real weakness. Yeah, it's got Nico Rosberg. Well, yeah, there is that. But, um, yeah, uh, Renault, they're still expecting to be shit this race, and even Christian Horner came out and said that they do have solutions to the problems they're experiencing. They're just in the pipeline, and they'll be back for Barcelona. And so they weren't so concerned if there was engine failures, as long as there weren't new reasons. As long as they're the same reasons that they've always been, then the solutions are on their way. Which the reasons are engines, the engines are shit. But, um, you know, it, it, it's tough being a F1 engine manufacturer, no doubt, because these engines undergo so much stress and even just the, the lateral G-forces would shift things so hard. Yeah. But um, that's the gig, and someone else has got it sorted a lot better than Renault has. In fact, everyone else has.
NASA had a great race. And that's a quality pass there too, around the outside. Yeah. Takes up position. Um, you, you really can't fault that pass at all. It just shows a big difference. Like, um, NASA's obviously got plenty of cash behind him, but he was a good driver in the GP3 series. Or it was GP2. I can't remember which one. He fought for the title with... Um, uh, who was it? I can't even remember now. But um, he's got credentials of, of you know good racecraft. Not just about cash. Yeah. And that's another point, too. Having one lap pace is something that so many drivers have, but being able to take, you know, a, a car that is constantly evolving on the track, like the track's cooling down, the tyres are wearing out, um, the temperatures are affecting the brakes and all that sort of thing. Uh, the wind is affecting the aerodynamics. But being able to take all that into account and still pull off a clean pass is just what separates a driver that, you know, you might use as a test driver to a driver that gets a seat for a whole season. Yeah. And you see um, Vettel got the undercut on Rosberg again to put him in front. Rosberg is obviously very happy about that. But uh, even so, Rosberg's just pulling out like a tenth every uh, sector. Yeah. Well, catching up a tenth, yeah. yeah. Kvyat coming in for his final stop, I think. Yep, on the prime. It always surprises me how you've they've gone to the trouble of giving the drivers numbers um, and even allowed them to keep numbers year to year where previously yeah. it had changed every season. But you can't fucking see them on the car. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's so much space there that's not being taken up by sponsors. You'd think you put it on the end plates of the rear and front wings. That'd be fine. Put it on their fucking forehead. Yeah, that too. Just... Have a number there. And, and there we see there's Vettel going, Vettel going uh, wide again. Bush bashing. Um, he had a few excuses for it about brakes and whatnot, but or uh, apparently there's damage to the front wing. But having a damaged front wing means you as a driver fucked up at some stage. Yeah, and uh, also, I mean, it means you should only make that mistake once because you know it's damaged and that's going to happen. Yeah, and it's just one of those things where a car that breaks... That's the team's fault. A car that gets damaged, that's the driver's fault. Yeah. Uh, you can get unlucky, but if you get unlucky, it's because someone came in the rear of you. Mm. Uh, damage to the front end, you're controlling all of that. So you either didn't brake correctly, you didn't uh, pick your marker, or you just done fucked up. You fucked up qualifying and you're around Maldonado. <laughs> that too. I mean, I'm Maldonado. Can you think of a driver that deserves the ride less than him? Um... Currently on the grid? Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. I don't know if we'll see him there next year, especially if the uh, Venezuelan money disappears. Yeah, and apparently it's looking that way on the domestic side for Venezuela. A couple of political... um, your paradigm shifts there and spending on sports stars so you can go watch F1 isn't high on the priority list anymore. Yeah, and just then we saw um, the other Toro Rosso come out. So they've got no finishes. Um, there's no benefit to turning up to a race and having both cars not finish. You may as well stay at home. But, um, you know, again, it's another, another DNF for a Renault team. And I don't know what happened to... Uh, Verstappen's car there but it's just becoming too common 
uh, Renault-powered cars, DNFing. Uh, you, you probably didn't hear it, but on the radio there, Sebastian was talking about um, understeer in the, the front wing due to damage, and that's why you'll see they replaced the front wing during this pit stop. So he was just setting it up so that they knew he wanted a new front wing, give him a bit more of a pointy front end, and so he could set about uh, staying ahead of, of Rosberg. But a lot of times, it could just be a confidence thing as well. Something's not working right, and you've just got it in your head that it's the front end. Change the front wing, you know, sometimes it's just a quick fix. Quick fix to mental problems, I should say. And again, this is the only spot where I can see him getting damage. But uh, he's could, gone into the gravel there slightly. You, you can see just where he, he was turning in, and he should have made the corner, but it looked like his car bottomed out, and that's where you'll see the skid blocks sending out sparks. It looked like he had his wheels just off the track a bit, and what that'll do is disrupt the airflow underneath the car and make you, you lose downforce and traction, and that might have made it a bit harder to complete the, the turn. Mm. And you're actually seeing quite a few sparks go over the car. Yeah, so those sparks travel a fair way from car in front to all the way past the car behind. Yeah. So we've got 20 laps to go. Um, most people completed the last pit stop. See, now just let... Rosberg know that uh, when Kimi goes to the softs, he's going to be coming at him. And Vettel is probably now thinking... That was Rockman. Yeah, Vettel is probably now thinking, fuck Kimi. Um, because that uh, front wing change has cost him a shot at the podium. I think it looks like uh, Raikkonen would have got him anyway, to be honest. Yeah. But, um, you know, sometimes it's your day, sometimes it's not. And this one just wasn't Vettel's. But Raikkonen did bloody well to have such good pace on such a long stint. He just drove smart. He did. He kept it clean. Um, made sure that he was getting nice times without taking too much out of the tyres. <laughs> a little uh, step out of the way there. And we're seeing Bottas has got six seconds on um, Vettel at the moment. And you'd really expect a four-time world champion in Vettel to just breeze past Bottas, especially, like, yeah, they're on different tyres, um, but Bottas is so, has so much less experience in F1 than uh, Vettel, and Vettel is a champion in a better car. So the reason I've seen this battle is um, Fernando's on the faster tyre. Um, Raikkonen's are getting a bit older as well. So it's not true pace you see the Fernando's. <laughs> I wonder how often Raikkonen said the radio's not working. I know, we want to hear this into the radio. Raikkonen was just saying say? then that uh, the radio stopped working, what's our plan? And they said, you know, you're on for P3... Uh, Sebastian has had to change a front wing, that kind of thing. But uh, I, I dare say, quite often when his radio is not working, it's because he pulled it out. 
Maybe he doesn't realize to speak in Italian. I thought they left uh, Raikkonen out a little long, to be honest. Um, maybe they could have pulled him in a couple of laps earlier because it seemed like his tyres had plenty of life left at the end. Yeah. But, um, you know, I don't think he was going to go any higher. I think at, at this point they still didn't have their eggs in the Raikkonen basket, and that's why he was left out too long. They still were... I mean, you're not throwing them all in Vettel's basket, but he was definitely getting the preferential um, race strategy. And they did come out and say afterwards that they did leave... Um, Rucking out for a little bit too long, as well as um, in that first stint. Well, I guess the other option, the only other option, is for Raikkonen to undercut Vettel, which serves no one because then you end up with a guy on faster tyres stuck behind another guy whose tyres are a lap older, and it slows both drivers down. Yeah, but you could try and go the other way as well and pit him like the lap after Vettel, but still give him the the prime tyre, so instead of undercutting, he's going to go longer and get him on the next pit stop. Well, you go into the the medium tyre. It does seem like it was a better strategy. Yeah. Um, Which worked out quite well for him. It's the more aggressive strategy. Yeah. And slightly more reckless, but, um, you know, Ferrari do tend to prefer conservative strategies, but I think they've picked the right one um, for the team by splitting the middle tyre selection. Yeah. But um, to be fair, before the race started, they didn't expect this one to be faster. That's why Raikkonen got that one. But I mean, mm-hmm. he did qualify lower, so the, it's completely understandable that you would you would choose the strategies in in that favour. Mm. Mind you, Raikkonen has loved this track. He's got more podiums than any other driver. Yep, uh, I think he had nine. He does well the night races too. Raikkonen. Yeah, he does quite well. I mean, winning in Abu Dhabi for Lotus. Was that famous? Yes, yes, I know what I'm doing. Just leave me alone. <laughs> I think I was half Toto Wolf, half um, Brazilian, that accent. Jeez. You always you have to be a gutsy bastard to be on that front jack. I think that's the apprentice role. <laughs> yeah, surely the one they want would have to be the back tyre. Yeah. Just because the driver can't see you. Yeah, so you're not feeling under pressure from him because you can do if you could do four tires in a tenth of a second, the driver's still going to say, "Why couldn't you do it in a ninth? Yeah, like a you know, a bit less, but um, an eleventh because a ninth is more than a tenth. Yeah, sure. Yeah, kind of fucked that up. Oh. Interesting, the Marusha's still got two cars going around in a circle, so that's the improvements there. Stevens ahead of Mary. And you see here, Vettel's managed to close up to two seconds on Bottas, um, lap 41 of 57. So he's in position now where you'd expect him to make a move in the next few laps. He's pulling out a tenth of sector, uh, actually probably a little bit more. Well, he's just pulled out two and a bit tenths there in that sector so if you told uh, a rookie to hold a four time world champion for 16 laps that's a pretty big ask and I mean probably put in a bit of an extra effort since you know I guess you have a bit of a connection with Kimmy both being Finnish 
Um, might make it difficult for Seb to get past and then give uh, Kimmy the walk. Or maybe he just doesn't like Sebastian. Well, I think that's that's usually a pretty safe default assumption to make. Seems a common one. Claire and Frank. Does Frank know where he is? Frank's still pretty switched on. He's still doing, doing very well up top. It's funny, though. It doesn't quite seem like it sometimes. No, well, he's never been, I'd say, the most rational person. <laughs> but his he's, he's record speaks for itself. He's mm. still there. He's, everyone else who started their own team didn't make, manage to make it work. Uh, except for well, McLaren, but they more or less sold it. They're not actually owners anymore, so... Mm. Well, yeah, there's not many... Uh people have any association with the cars that bear yeah. their name well you just think about when he was there there was Tyrrell there was um, Enzo, Brabham, Enzo Ferrari Ferrari there was uh, Hesketh um, lots of you know just named teams they all went to the wayside and Frank's been very successful didn't hurt that he managed to get Adrian Newey for a fair while too no It almost looked like they were pushing the Lotus down the they did. lane there. Um, the uh, Lotus engine seized up for a moment there. The clutch apparently wouldn't disengage. They had to push it a few metres to get in the pit box. Oh, okay. And now you see the brakes overheating like buggery. Um, it's surprising because usually Maldonado doesn't use brakes. No, no, it's uh, a bit shocking. I think that was just coming in on the uh, pit lane. He, had to, he went from flooring it and accelerating to braking all at once. Maybe he had both feet down, I don't know. And uh, one thing you do see here, Maldonado is done. He's, uh, his day is over. Uh, old mate with the fire extinguisher decides to just start spraying the brake ducts. Um, the other guys tell him to fuck right off because he's going to fuck shit up. But uh, I assume that's a marshal. And he's just going, oh, a bit of smoke. I might, uh, might spray this boy. I've been waiting for this day. Yep. He's in pit lane, he thinks, oh, you know, I'll, I'll do my job. And Fuck then it. the rest of the team goes, would you mind fucking right off? You're going to fuck the car up. <laughs> um, just because, obviously, you've got hot carbon brakes. I imagine anything hot and carbon, you put something cold on it, it's going to crack. Because, you know, those brake pads are probably about, you know, more than anyone I know makes in a week worth of uh, carbon they would want to conserve as much as possible. Plus, they want the data from them. So if they're scored, if they're fucked, they want to know how they're worn, uh, especially mid-race. One of the few advantages of pulling out early is you get uh, mid-race wear uh, data. So you get to see how the brakes are worn, how the engine's responding... Uh, how the tyres are worn mid-race. Uh, it's, it's the only advantage to an early retirement. But uh, if you go about spraying the brake ducts with foam, you lose all that, yeah. which is why they would have told me to fuck right off. Uh, here we see and picking up about half a second uh, a sector on Rosberg. He also set the fastest lap, uh, I think it was two laps ago. So making his move now, and this is what we're talking about, where you have that little bit of lull in the middle period, and it all starts coming together about here. Yeah, I mean, Rosberg, uh, Raikkonen still, what, uh, he's gone from 14.1 seconds down to 13.4 seconds in a lap. So that's picking up seven-tenths a lap 
which is massive. And still, still with what's that? Thirteen laps to go. Yeah, but is 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 Delta for that? His um, ability to take time out of Rosberg is improving every lap. Yeah. And we have Vettel all the way up Bottas's rectum. It's lucky he wasn't driving a Toro Rosso, or else Bottas might have a sore butthole. That's the thing. Is that is that far up there? You can see Lemmy Winks. So we see we see the um the end result. Yeah, they've announced Kimmy's a threat. I, I, I don't think that's the right thing. I think uh, let Rosberg race his race, just because Rosberg traditionally hasn't responded well to pressure. Stop talking so they can listen to the radio. Yeah, they uh, they let Rosberg know that Kimmy's a threat, and he's going to come up on them later in the race. And as you see, that's exactly why the last lap he's taken out one point nine seconds, which is a phenomenal amount of time to take out of one lap. So you can see the amount of pace he, he must have, and and you can see the amount of pace he really does have. And even afterwards, um, Ferrari said they might have been a bit too conservative on um, Raikkonen's tyre strategy. But that being said, it's pretty obvious that they were um, putting their optimum strategy with Vettel. And had they realised that you know it might not work out that way. Um, Raikkonen could have got a lot closer to Lewis. Whether he had an opportunity to pass him, it's another story. I couldn't see it, to be honest. Yeah. I think um, he might have been able to pull out a few more seconds, but from memory, Hamilton finished like 15 seconds away at the front and yeah. wasn't really hassled at all. Like, yeah. he, could have, he could have pulled out a lot more time than he did. Yeah, but Raikkonen's strategy to win was shot after the first pit stop with the him out too long. Had they yeah. had, they had that, the, the winning strategy from the start, he might have um, not passed him on track but had track position. But that's all, you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda. Bottas has still managed to keep Vettel behind, which is no small feat for a guy in a, you know, a, a less uh, race-prepped car. Mm-hmm. Granted, he's on the soft tyres, but he's had the same um, options of tyres as Vettel did. See, so he's got the Mercedes engine, so give him a bit of extra... Oomph down the straight. Yeah, yeah, but it's the car's still not as good as the Ferrari, you'd have to say. Yeah, uh, no, and it's not a good chassis. You base that on both cars. Yeah. And as Claire Williams said, um, I think it was before the race, or maybe it was after it with um, Ted Kravitz, she's saying Ferrari just announced they're pumping in another $100 million to their development, and mm. that's Williams' whole budget. Yep. I think that's Bernie Eccleston's mother-in-law. <laughs> You see Vettel running wide in the wake of, of Bottas, and that's just to do with um, the condition of the air over Bottas' car. The closer, mm. the closer you follow, the less downforce you'll get because the air isn't flowing smoothly over the front wing. So that's why you'll see him. He's turning, but the car's not responding as it should. It's getting pushed a bit wide. I call that oversteer, no, understeer. Sorry. But uh, for whatever reason, Vettel just can't seem to turn these tyres on. And we just saw Raikkonen at about this point 
um, being able to take time out of Rosberg uh, when Rosberg was on the softs and Raikkonen was on the mediums. Mm. Uh, whereas this is reversed. Vettel's on the mediums and Bottas is on the softs. Uh, Vettel just can't seem to do the same. Um, which I think is a bit of a danger sign for Vettel. Because he has started to fall into a bit of the button trap where when the car's set up the way he likes it for him, he drives well. Uh, but when things aren't quite going his way, we see him have a couple of offs. Mm. Uh, we see him struggle. And he does say, you know, there's a brake issue or some other crap. Raikkonen's in the same car and he's done it so much better. Yeah, and there's that. I think that's what you've got to do with a guy like Raikkonen is let him know that you're on pace, you need yep. to hit this guy in five laps. Yeah. Uh, so you give him something to drive for. You give him a, a target to aim for. Um, and they just brought up the fuel used again. And you see Ricardo, he is the second most. Yep. Uh, the only one using more would be Raikkonen. That's because he'd had the wick turned up a yep. whole lot more because he's chasing someone. Whereas you wouldn't think um, Ricardo has used a lot of his engine. He'd have the wick turned to a moderate level for the most of the, most of the race. But he still used a shit ton of fuel. And we see Vettel still behind Bottas. And even now, you'd probably think he could have a move. And <laughs> Rosberg just asking them not to tell him the gap anymore, which I think... I don't know why they would, because Rosberg is a nervous sort of driver. Yeah, um, yeah. He does tend to not handle pressure as well as someone like Hamilton. Hamilton tends to get combative. Yeah. He's like, no fucking way you're getting by me. Yeah. Uh, whereas Rosberg seems to just shit himself. Um, or Bottas right now, he's got Vettel right up behind him in a period of the race where Vettel should be eating him for breakfast. Yeah. Um, Look at those um, chunk of time that Raikkonen has taken out of Rosberg. That's huge. It's massive. Um, but again, you've got Bottas doing combative defensive driving. He's still keeping his pace up, but he's cutting off Vettel's yeah. lines. But, uh, uh, it just comes down to concentration too. You've mm-hmm. got to put your head down, just hit your marks, and you hit see them that, to a T. You just saw that view there where, because it's a night race, they've got the clear visors, and you can see exactly where yeah. Sebastian's looking. He's not looking at the corner he's just taken. He's looking at the back of Bottas yep. all the way. He wants to know what Bottas is doing more than he wants to know what he's doing himself, uh, which I think is half the reason why he's not able to pass him. I mean, you can't drive like the guy in front of you is invisible, but... Uh, even here, he's managed to take a nice middle line where Vettel can't go in over or under him. And she's not getting the drive out of the corner either. No, but he's not hes not letting Vettel do the dive and hope pass. Mm. So he's going to have to do something classier, and Vettel just has not been able to find it. Even now he's trying to, he's not trying to bait him to come on the inside line, and no, just not having it. But he's not taking the pure apex, and he's not taking the wide apex. He's taking in between. Yeah, just letting they're just letting Bottas know that no one's coming out behind Vettel, so you're not getting any pressure from that. So you've just got to uh, hold him back. 
But just then we saw Rosberg still pulling time out of Hamilton too. So Rosberg certainly isn't struggling for pace. Uh, just that Raikkonen's driving that bit faster. Yeah, and you'll see, like, like we're talking about, this is where the strategies start to bear fruit from all that, that work in the middle. You know, Kimi had a pretty lonely time in that middle section. This is this where it's come good. Well, Kimi was able to minimise the damage that the harder tyre was doing. Yeah, exactly. And now he's able to... He, his first five laps uh, on the soft tyre were brilliant. And also using the soft tyre later means the car's lighter because it's got less fuel, which means they can last that little bit longer in their switched-up mode. Uh, so they get a little bit better grip because you're not carting around an extra 50 litres of petrol. Yeah. Well, they're probably down to about 20 kilos by now, so they've got 80 kilos off a 800-kilogram car. So you've got a 10% weight reduction just in there. <coughs> and even now, Patel's been behind Bottas for, what, seven laps? Yeah, about that. And just unable to find a way by. And if he can't get by Bottas, there's just no way you could say he'd get by Rosberg or Hamilton. Yeah. And yet, you've got... Um, Raikkonen, who's able to do just that. And that's it. And this track, it's mainly the first four corners where you're going to overtake. It's pretty difficult to overtake um, following someone else through the the last two sectors. So Bottas, you see, he just concentrates on taking the correct lines and hitting his braking points and coming off the straight where he's got the speed advantage. One little mistake in that section and he's done. Better will take him. And that's where his concentration is spent. And that can't be underestimated how difficult that is at the end of a race and how physically demanding driving a car is around the tracks like this. I mean, the amount of focus required, it's like, uh, it's like doing that old trick where you put your hand on a table and you've got a sharp knife and you go in between your, each fingers. Yeah. You can do that fine the first time. Yep. And the second time... You know, you start to lose focus. And if you try and keep the same pace, the third, fourth, fifth... Now, imagine doing that 57 times, and you start to get the idea of how much focus and what level of concentration necessary for F1 drivers. Because you make one wrong mistake with your hand on the table, and you end up stabbing yourself in the thumb. Uh, here, you end up in a wall at 300 k's an hour, and the end injuries are yeah. quite a bit worse. <laughs> with your head sticking out of the car. So here you see Raikkonen and really... Twisting the screws now. He's um, trying to pump out qualifying laps for the rest of the race. Uh, like I said, he still had a bit left in his tyres in the race. So yeah, they're telling Rosberg to save a little bit of fuel, which is not what you want to hear when you've got a, a former world champion on the charge coming up in your uh, rearview mirror. And I was saying, these brakes are clear. There are lots of problems with brakes on various cars of this track. Um, like we were saying before, you can see how lit up they are when they go around the corners. And um, he'll be relieved of that. And then he gets told straight after that, he's got to save a bit of fuel. So, But you see that pass just there. Um, the difference between that and Rosberg's passes were that he allowed the racing line on the outside and didn't uh, cut it off. Yeah. So he, he took the inside line but still didn't drive the outside car off into the dirt. 
which uh, was not what Rosberg was doing. And look, I'm not saying Rosberg's driving was uh, wrong. It's within rules. You can certainly pressure other cars to go off. But uh, if you can pull it off cleaner, it takes a lot more skill and it's a lot more admirable. And again, we're showing fuel usage and Ricardo's second... No, he's third now. Grosjean's used a bit more. No, he hasn't. Ricardo's used more than everyone except for Raikkonen. And again, that'd be because Raikkonen's got the wick turned right up for a lot longer. As Ricardo knows, he's not going to catch Vettel. He's pretty safe from Grosjean. So he's just going around the track, probably thinking of how he's going to spend the night, uh, what he's going to have for dinner, that kind of thing. Yeah. Maybe they could just uh, hook up a Nintendo DS or something in there for him when he's in these positions. Because he keeps talking about how he gets bored. Yeah, well, I mean, you start doing slalom or something, take the detour. So five laps to go. You've got Kimi down by around four seconds now. Well, here you go, 3.4. 3.2. Catching an incredible rate. You see him... He'd, Rosberg would be well and truly aware of him in his mirrors by now. He wouldn't have to be worried about being told to splits by his team. He'll be able to see that, that red Ferrari coming right up his clacker. And, and even still, like we've seen throughout the whole race, it's one thing to catch the guy in front of you, but a completely different thing to be able to overtake him. As we're seeing from uh, Vettel and Bottas. But even here, like you see a bit of a lock-up there. That takes time out. And then you've got... Uh, it does seem like Rosberg tends to get very nervous when someone's on the charge behind him. Hmm. It's like he overthinks things. Rather than trying to drive his own race, he's trying to outthink the other driver at 300 k's an hour. Yeah. I think that... Uh, little bit of radio chatter to Ricardo was pretty much just to make sure he's still switched on because yeah. uh, at this stage when you're not really driving for any particular reason you're really just hoping the guys in front of you come together it can mean that the drivers kind of go to sleep a little bit and that's when they miss a brake marker end up in the woods you know a lot of stuff can happen uh, even when you're the only person on the straight you can still fuck it up pretty badly So Raikkonen, within two, 2.2 seconds, four laps to go. I mean, so he's going to catch him. There's no doubt about that. It's just a matter of whether he can get the overtake done. But again, every every little tenth he takes out, that's more pressure on Rosberg. And Rosberg will be spending a lot of time looking in those tiny fucking mirrors that bounce around the place. Which is exactly what you want. And even there, he could have had a bit of a dive. But instead, Vettel's gone wide. And a lot of that's because Bottas is taking that nice middle line. Yeah, he's not hes not trying to cover. He's just making it as wide as he can without destroying his own line. Mm. Exactly so. If he starts weaving here, trying to cover it, and that's what Seb's trying to do. He's trying to bait him into take, closing off the inside line so we can take that, that wide line and undercut through the corner. And like we are saying at the start, that, that different line through the first three corners to get an overtake done. That's what he's trying to do, but Bottas just covers it well. Not like Nico, he just sticks to his line, knows he's going to get better traction out of the corner, and with the power of the Mercedes engine, he's going to be able to stay in front through that, that following three corners. 
But with uh, with what Bodas is doing, by breaking Vettel's line into that first corner, he drops Vettel back about another 10 metres, which takes him about four or five corners to catch up. And those four or five corners are the best places to pass. Yeah. I'm surprised Vettel, instead of trying to pass at the first corner, didn't just hold back and try it for the second or third. Um, but, you know, he's a world champion, so he knows better than I do, obviously. That's it. And I think taking that line is the way you've got to go to set up those other attacks. So Valtteri is aware of that and did enough to, to stop Vettel from being able to do that, which, you know, just adds to Vettel's frustration. Yeah, he's just killed Vettel's rhythm. Here we are, Kimi right up on the gearbox of Rosberg. And you've got to bear in mind, this, this is all um, going to be important in the championship for drivers because Sebastian... Hamilton just being told that Nico's under the threat threat from Raikkonen, and I dare say Hamilton couldn't give a flying fuck. <laughs> he'd, he'd be quite happy, if anything. Yeah, everybody's pretty excited about that one. Because uh, every point out of Rosberg is a point pretty much into his favour. And you got to remember last year, TNFs played a big part in mm. Rosberg actually being in the title hunt. Yep. And a lot of that is his passing. He tends to have that win-it-or-bin-it mentality with passing. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't pay off. Uh if he tries some of those passes on Maldonado, they'll both end up in the wall. So if he's fighting Maldonado, he's already done something wrong. Well, pretty much. Kavina Massa just and having a, a go for shits nice and pass. Brought him wide, came on the inside, managed to stick it. And that's your quality textbook pass right there. And you see the, the lap traffic playing into Rakanen's hands here with Nico having to work a little bit harder than what he'd be like, like to be doing. It's also upsetting the rhythm. Because um, yeah. Rosberg does seem to be one of those guys that needs a solid rhythm. Um, by having traffic, he's got to keep uh, his attention ahead as well as being paranoid about what's behind him. Yeah, the only advantage is it'll give Nico DRS as well. But, um, you know, you've got to take that. Not much you can do. Yeah, it's, it does advantage the chasing car a little bit because they don't need to worry about anything behind them. Uh, he can just try and follow Nico as much as possible and try and yep. pass cars when he does. And as long as you're you're tucked up behind Rosberg, you know as soon as the car in front of Rosberg moves out the way, you've got the, the clean pass. Yeah. You don't have to wait. You can slip through as well. And Raikkonen's still a bit far back for a move right here. Yep, two but, laps to uh, go. <coughs> You oh, there he goes. Rosberg goes wide. Well wide, and Raikkonen just goes, nah, you're not coming back on track that way, son. That's and, his uh, one mistake. And that's purely up to Rosberg. Um, I think he said there was something wrong with his brakes, but it just doesn't seem that that was actually the case. No. Um, maybe it was the part that connects the brakes to the steering wheel uh, via the driver's seat. But, um, yeah, it looks like Raikkonen just pressured him into that mistake. Here we go. You see him go on the regular line there. And he just broke too late by the looks. It kind of looked like he was 
got an eye full of his own mirrors there, seeing which way Raikkonen was going to go, and not realizing Raikkonen was a little bit further behind. He didn't break as late as what he anticipated, I think. Might have been the old disappearing line. He's not in either mirror. He's so dead behind that uh, Rosberg couldn't see him. Hmm. And so he started getting paranoid. He was right up the inside and tried to go too wide. In fact, I've just amazed myself with my own genius. Because he sounds like bullshit to me. No, because he looked in the rear vision mirror and couldn't see him. So the only blind spots are directly behind or beside you. And you can't look, you know, right beside you. So he's assumed he's right beside him and has given him enough room so he doesn't crash. Yeah, but he could see him because he was a fair way behind. That's what I'm saying. So no, but if, he, if he's directly behind the car, the rear vision mirrors won't show it. Yeah, but he won't. So even Lewis is getting a little bit concerned about where the Ferrari is coming up. Yeah, once he knows that he's only got to finish the lap, he's pretty sorted. Yeah. But, um, yeah, because these guys don't have a central uh, rear vision mirror, they've got a massive blind spot dead behind them. Yeah. Um, and I honestly reckon what happened there is Rosberg was looking for him, couldn't find the rear vision, so he assumed he was beside him. And so that's why he went so damn deep and wide. Yep. But, yeah, um, that too. I'm claiming it as fact completely. Yeah, when you've got four and a half seconds with a lap to go, uh, even if your car's falling apart, you'd, you'd imagine you'd make it. Yeah. I think uh, one advantage of having the bar and race at night is they can use fireworks. Mm. And on the uh, warm down, it looked spectacular just to have them. Uh, for all its shortcomings, the Bahrain track is a pretty damn good one. And the major shortcoming is that no one is at it. Yeah, the major shortcoming is that it's in Bahrain. Always thought it'd be kind of funny if one of the drivers doing that side-to-side sort of thing spun out. Yeah, I think it's happened before. Well, Raikkonen would have taken the win if that happened. You wouldn't hear him complaining. Anyway, see Vettel still stuck behind Bottas. So despite the fact in a superior car against a driver with a lot less experience, he couldn't get past him. And it looks like he couldn't really even get a chance to make a decent move. And then we see the fireworks. Makes it three from four for Lewis for the season. And no wins for Rosberg. No. I mean, it's any time this happens, all the teams always ask, are you going to have a number one driver? And they always say, no, no, we'll let the drivers race. Uh, that's bullshit. Yeah. And here we have uh, another Renault retirement. Fortunately, just after the... Uh, flag uh, the um, line yeah but, uh, yeah that wasn't firework smoke that was the engine going he's just putting the afterburners on yeah pretty spectacular like uh, if you could get the cars to do that every every uh, race it'd be pretty cool anyway, he's got the rockstar car park though <laughs> he does he certainly does It'd be kind of funny if they had to bring the safety car out for the warm down lap. Oh, yeah. Just because they couldn't see through all the smoke <laughs> and there's a car in there. Yeah. 
Well, there has actually been a driver crashing in Park Firm, so... Yeah, this is true. Incredible. This thing was a Japanese driver. Anyway, I think. Ida. Ida Anyway, I think it was. I think they actually revoked his super license. <laughs> Four races, yeah. Sorry about the brakes. Yeah, no, I'm still not believing it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about the Nico Mercedes. <laughs> so, that's the end of the Bahrain Grand Prix. Um, an interesting race. It was more interesting than Shanghai. Um, you still had that generic boring middle part, but it all come good towards the end. Uh, yeah, there's also uh, quite a lovely bit of tension between the two Mercedes drivers, and that's only going to get worse, mainly because uh, Rosberg knows he's underachieving, and he's, he seems to respond to that by lashing out at everyone around him. So it should be entertaining. And, I mean, it seems it makes Nico more pissed off that Lewis just couldn't give a fuck. Yeah, he just uh, mimes hitting a home run and, you know, not really sure the significance of that one, um, but he seems happy enough. Yeah. Not the arse of his car, of his uh, jumpsuit's almost gone see-through with sweat. In fact, it has. Yeah. Um, uh, Lewis actually has some problems with uh, a source of heat in his seat. Yeah, he's, he's been saying that, that the seat's heating Put, up dramatically. His balls on fire. Not even joking, it's legitimate. And um, I was watching during one of the practice sessions, um, Damon Hill was saying, I think it was Damon Hill, pretty sure it was, well, I mean Johnny Herbert, uh, they were saying that De- uh, David Coulthard used to get the same problem. Uh, so he put menthol in his underwear. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, he's given that advice to Lewis, and Lewis sort of looked at him strange and gone, yeah, I think we've got enough weird undergarments going on in this team. So I'll, I'll, I'll just... You can literally see his ass. <laughs> it's going completely see-through. <laughs> oh, you can see Nico's camel toe. Yeah, Nico, for whatever reason, hasn't been able to figure out how to put his steering wheel in. It's pretty sandy. Insert tab A into slot B. And we see Ricardo finishing in sixth. You know, 20 seconds ahead of Grosjean. Um, 20 seconds behind Vettel so he's never really going to do much from where he was in the closing stages unless Vettel and uh, Bottas managed to come together no. which uh, Vettel seemed to have, have given up on that once he realised he wasn't in a podium position well he picked up a spot so that, that's the best you could have hoped for in a clean race for, yeah it'll be pretty interesting I, I think um, you know Vettel with a win obviously this uh, season is looking a little bit better than um his teammate Raikkonen but yep. it's a long season and I think there's going to be a lot of pressure in that team uh, on who's going to finish top yeah and I mean you'd have to believe that with all the changes in Ferrari they've maybe learnt from picking number one drivers they would probably just you know throw, throw the chips up and let them fall where they may um, because you've got two world champions and you can't bet against either of them they've both got the talent to win obviously 
So it would be very prudent for Ferrari to chuck all the regs in one basket at the start because it's still all open to proof. Let me see the constructors with uh, Mercedes at 159, Ferrari at 107, all the way back to Williams at 61 and Red Bull at 23. Um, they're only a couple of points ahead of Sauber, which if you're a Red Bull racing, uh, you know, if you're Christian Horner, yeah. that's not good enough. You, no. are, you will not be okay with that, and Dietrich Mateschitz will not be okay with that. Uh, Helmut Marco isn't okay with anything, so you're never going to really ask his opinion on that matter. But uh, I just think it'll be a very testing time for a lot of people there. Yeah, well, like I was saying before, um, they know the solutions they need, or supposedly for the Renault engine, and they are in the works. Um, so this one was more or less a mulligan. They knew what to expect, and I think they still would be happy with getting six, especially with Ricardo failing just at the line, and you had two failures in the Toro Rosso, you had the failure with Kvyat, so they would have expected to not have a good weekend, and with a sixth place, I think they'll be content with that. However, Barcelona, they're expecting the upgrade to their engine, and Renault have the most tokens for engine development as well. It's just a matter of figuring out what they need to do before they start spending those tokens, as well as they've um, got in the works the new shorter nose for the Red Bull, which they've said will be coming out uh, probably in the European um, segment, but it's mainly just trying to get it to pass the uh, crash test at the moment. But they've got those upgrades coming, and they have made some alterations to their front wing for this one. They closed up the slots on Daniel Carlo's end plate, uh, gave them a little canard on the outside as well, and they were trialling that. So they're, they're trying a, f- a few new things, but when we get back to Europe, then we'll see the real development race start to take shape. And Hamilton's super excited there, and so he should be. He's yeah. driven the perfect race. Um, you know, he's in the, by far and away, the best car in the field, but he still has to get around the track, and he did it as well as you could expect from Paul. I hope he gives that chick on the left a fair spray of champagne. <laughs> His left? No, our left. The only chick on screen. She's gone now, obviously. But he got into a bit of trouble at China. Apparently, yeah. giving one of the chicks a, a spray in the face. China well, aren't really up to date with what happens when you win racing events. Oh, no, I don't think anyone thought it was a big deal except for a few uh, British journos. Yeah, probably. Um, looking at that, though... Jeez, uh, he'd have to shave his head again pretty soon. Yeah, it's getting there, isn't it? Whether he wants to or not. Because, yeah, Mercedes have made some great advances in engines, but uh, his forehead seems to be winning the most advanced thing on the podium there. Because he got a pilot there as well, by the looks. (laughs) It's funny how the Mercedes uniforms for their team just look like they're pilots. Yeah. All right, well, I don't know if I've got much, much more else to do in this matter. No, and no one really gives a crap about the uh, um, national anthems anyway. Um, there's no words, and half people there wouldn't know them if they even did have them. But, uh, you know, I, I do like having uh, Jackie Stewart up there interviewing the drivers, but none of them really have much personality to give to it, to be honest. No, and I mean, all the interesting stuff happens in the actual post-race press conference that they hold in the media center. Mm. Um, yeah, usually you can watch that online or you can read the transcripts on some of the various websites that are they're out there. Yeah, but anyway, that was uh, Bahrain. Next we go to Barcelona. Yep, three weeks until Barcelona. And a little I, bit of a break. I think that's going to be very interesting. Um, yep. I think you'll see a bit more improvement from Ferrari as well. Yeah, uh, Ferrari have already said they've got um, an upgrade in the works that will be at Barcelona. Um, a few extra horses, they, they, they say. 
plus 40 is, is the word. But we'll wait and see. Um, Red Bull have aero developments and Renault will bring their um, developments in the work as well. So for the sake of having a season worth watching, we hope that they can get there and put put a cat amongst the pigeons up the front front end of the F1 grid. Well, I think it's all going to come together in Italy. Um, when we see Monza with all its uh, heavy straights, that's when you're going to see whether those teams are up and about or not. Just because Mercedes' power has such an advantage on those straight lines... Uh, if Ferrari are going to challenge for a championship next year, they're going to have to try and match them at Monza this year. I was going to say, if Ferrari are not there with the power by Monza, I reckon they'll be sticking the future canes in there. <laughs> Maybe so. Anyway, that's what's happening in F1 at the moment. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. All right. We'll see you guys in, well, see you in Barcelona, but we'll talk to you after Barcelona. <laughs> see ya. Bye. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>